Take your Bibles to the Gospel of John 21. John 21, it's hard to believe this is our uh, last uh, sermon in the Gospel of John. We started last January of uh, 2022, and uh, we've come to the end now of the Gospel of John. And um, last week we began looking at uh, Jesus' interaction with Peter, his really instruction training uh, as he's going to be uh, one of the great leaders there in the first century church. But as we finish, John, we see really a man that failed, but is now restored. And I want you to understand, it is possible to fail and still go on to serve the Lord if we're willing to be honest with ourselves. Really, one of the biggest struggles that we have in life is this idea of being honest with ourselves. Even those of us that haven't publicly failed at times struggle with this idea of being uh, honest with ourselves. Sometimes it takes other people uh, to open our eyes uh, to our flaws, to our issues, because we never want to think uh, that we have struggles. Now, it's the, it's, the, it's the biblical thing to say. It's the, you know, the politically correct thing to say in, in a church is, yeah, we all know that we all sin. We all have sins. We sin every day. And uh, we, we say that sometimes even flippantly, not really willing to be honest with ourselves about our own sin and our own issues. And many times people struggle to do the things that God has called them to do or be the leader that God wants them to be simply because we're just dishonest with ourselves. We don't want to own up to our frailties, our failures, the issues that we have in our own life. It's easy to see them in other people. It's easy to, to see other people fail and their flaws and their failures and then and, and kind of like we want to throw them under the bus and, and you know, we, we, we want to judge them and, and, and kind of be harsh towards them, but we want um, favoritism towards people. We want people to show us favor when we fail, but even when we don't fail, we struggle with this idea of being honest with ourselves. You know, coaching basketball, we're getting ready to go back in, into the season. And, and listen, every kid in high school believes they're going to play in the NBA. I mean, that's just the reality of life. I believed it when I was in junior high and when I was in high school. It's just, if you play basketball, that's what you believe your ceiling is at that level. And it's a harsh reality when I, as a coach, have to sit the kid down and say, listen, you're not that good, all right? And then mom gets on us and all those type of things. A few weeks ago, I told one of the boys, I said, hey, listen, you, you gotta start working on your body. You gotta get your body under control. And his mom came up to me and said, yeah, my son said you told him he was fat. And, um, and that is not what I said, but that is what I said. All right, let's be honest. No, I'm just kidding. And um, it was a good-natured com conversation and, and all those type of things. But we think that we're something that, that we're not. And we struggle with being honest with ourselves, even when we fail. At times, when we fail, what do we do? We blame everybody else. It's not my fault. It's the woman that you gave me. And it's been going on throughout history. It's, it's always somebody else's fault. And we've created that atmosphere in the society in which we live in today. Let's be honest. It's never my fault. It's always the society's fault. It's their parents' fault. It's the school's fault. It's the church's fault. It, it can't be my fault. It can't be my child's fault. It's, it's always everybody else's Everybody else's problem. It's my boss, my coworkers, whatever, whatever it is. We always want to blame other people, and we can't be honest with ourselves. And Jesus is going to use this miracle of catching these fish and to sit down with Peter and to, to teach him and to teach the other disciples that are there with him and to, to teach us 
really some things about, about service. Now, we're in verse uh, number 15, if you would. Jesus, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, and he says, Simon, son of Jonas. Now, Jesus began by addressing Peter as, as Simon, son of Jonas. He's, he's only done that on a few occasions in, in his time with with Peter. Uh, there was a time when he called him to follow him in John chapter 1. There was uh, Peter's confession of Jesus as the Son of God in, in Matthew 16. And, and then there was that time when he slept in, in the Garden of Gethsemane there in Mark chapter 14. And so no doubt when Jesus addressed Peter in this way, Peter probably realized that there was something pretty important that was about to happen. And he needed to take note and, and listen. And I want to encourage you today to, to listen to the instruction and to the, the truths of Scripture from Jesus' interaction with Peter here in these next verses. Father, thank you for our church. And Lord, what a joy it is to fellowship one with another and, um, and to, to sing and to laugh. And, and Lord, but most importantly, we thank you for your word. And I pray now that your spirit, Lord, would use your word in our hearts and lives. May we as believers be strengthened. And, and Father, though this is not a gospel message, if somebody is here today that doesn't know Christ, I pray that you'd even work in their hearts and draw them to yourself. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. There's two things I want you to see from this passage. Number one, there's an important question. There's an important question that really is important for all of us. And Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? So he starts off by asking Peter, do you love me more than these? Now there's several views on what Jesus means here when he says more than these. First of all, some believe he means, do you love me more than you love fishing? Do you love me more than the boats? Do you love me more than the nets? Do you love me more than the money? And, and, and really, that's a good question for all of us to ask ourselves. Do we love Jesus more than we love our career, the resources that we have? Listen, do we love Jesus more than the attention that we're getting on social media today? Do we love Jesus more than the things of this world? That, that is a good question for us to ask. And unfortunately, so many, even within the church, we're so in love with the things of this world. We're in love with materialism. We're in love with the, um, the, the thrill we get from the likes and the loves and the smiley faces that we get on fa social media or the new friends that we get on social media. We're, we're so consumed by those things. I don't think that's what Jesus is asking him, but that is a good question for us to ask. Some believe... Jesus was asking him, do you love me more than you love these others? Peter's there with his disciples. He's been with these men for uh, as long as Jesus has been with them, basically, in these last three years. And, and they've been through all of these uh, trials. They've seen the miracles together. They've been teaching together. They've, they've had this relationship being built up. And, and some believe that Jesus is saying, do you love me more than you love these guys that you've been fishing with? And, and that's a good question for us. Do you love me, do you love Jesus more than you love uh, your friends? Do you love Jesus more than you love your family? Do you love Jesus more than you love uh, the people in your life? And unfortunately for many, they would have to say, if they're honest, no. Hey, I love my wife, I love my children, but I believe I love Jesus more. And I believe that's biblical. I believe that is, I believe that is right, and that's God's expectation uh, for us in our lives. But I don't think that's what he's asking him. 
probably what he's asking him here is, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? And that's probably what most, most Christians believe, uh, most scholars believe that he's leaning towards here. Do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Because if you remember, Peter was with the Lord just a few weeks back uh, there in the upper room in, in chapter 13. And, and Jesus said to him, you will deny me. And Peter said, I would never forsake you. All, all, all of these guys, they might deny you, they might forsake you, but I will never, I will never do it. So this is a reasonable question for Jesus to ask Peter at, at this time. Jesus wanted Peter to think about how strong his love really was. And that's a good question for us. Peter, do you love me more Really, the question is, is how strong is your love? How strong truly is your love for me? Really, Jesus should be number one. We talk about the preeminence of Christ and the place that he should have in our life. And, but our love should be greatest for, for him. It's not a competition, I know that, but uh, my love compared to your love, but my, Jesus should be the center of my life and my love should be str so strong for him. And so he asked him, Peter, do you love me more than these? And I can imagine where Peter's mind was going at that time, back to when Jesus told him he would forsake him and, and Peter said, I would never in his pride, I would never do that. But Jesus then responds here with a command. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. So his response to Peter when he says, Lord, you know I love you. He says to him, then feed my lambs. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the good shepherd, but he is, he is about to leave. And so he is setting up this pastoral role of caring for for people. You see, Jesus had called these men to be, called them to be fishers of men. That's the idea of evangelism. And so now he's adding on to that role and that responsibility to Peter and, and to those that would be pastors and elders, that now you are to be the one to, to, to feed my sheep. And so we oftentimes refer to pastors as under shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd and we have under shepherd. And so as a pastor, you have a responsibility to, to feed the sheep. And this is uh, the picture of pastor, shepherd in the Bible. And, and so we see Peter got a hold of this thought when he writes in 1 Peter uh, to feed the flock of God. And he says, the elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And so G Jesus is instructing Peter on his future responsibility, and Peter understood. He understood what his role was to be, to feed the flock of God. And, and, and as a pastor, let me, let me stop right here and tell, tell you, as a pastor, the responsibility of a pastor, of an under-shepherd, is, is to feed the flock of God. And how do you do that? Through the preaching of the Word of God. 
And so we've been going through the Gospel of John, and I know you, some of you are thinking, we're never getting through this book, all right? We're, we're, I don't believe it. Next week we're going to come, and he's going to say, turn back to the Gospel of John. I just know it's going to happen. And, um, and, and, and listen, I, I tell people all the time, I, I go through expositionally, and I jokingly say, because I'm not creative enough to come up with a new sermon every week. Um, but the reality is, is my responsibility is to preach the whole counsel of God. And, uh, and, and I don't want to just preach on my soapboxes and the things that I think you need to hear and, and, and know, but I want to go through the scriptures so that you're growing and that you're being fed. You know, I know, I know some churches, and uh, we're not here to bash anybody, but they, they focus on the, the gospel, and, and every week's a salvation message. And, and the reality is, is probably 90% of you are believers in Christ, and you need to be fed, and you need to grow in your faith. And, and I believe that's what God called me and, and our pastoral staff and pastors like us to do, feed the flock of God. And we do that through the preaching of the Word of God. And so we're unashamedly, we, we put a focus on the Word of God. I think it's very interesting here. He says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. You know, it's, it's not based on my opinion, and I'm not to beat you into submission, right? My responsibility is to preach the word of God. The spirit of God uses his word in the lives of believers. And then I have the responsibility to live as an example uh, before the believers. And so that's, that's our role. And that's what Jesus is teaching Peter. And that's what Peter's about to transition to. Now think about that for just a moment. Here's a guy just a few weeks before denied the Lord three times. And now the Lord says, I'm going to give you this amazing, wonderful, but also great responsibility to invest in my people. Invest in, in my sheep. But Jesus is asking him a question. First of all, Peter, do you love me more than these? We love to make the Christian life about obligation rather than adoration. You know, why do we do what we do? Why, why do we do what we do as believers in Jesus Christ? The great missionary Hudson Taylor was once introduced by a pastor in a church that, that he was about to speak at. And he was introduced as the man who went to China because he loved the Chinese. When Hudson Taylor got up to speak, he said, no, Hudson Taylor went to China to share the gospel because he loves God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind. The thing that really motivates us to service, and let me give you a little secret about Christian service, it's not the need in front of you, it's the call of God behind you. What motivates you to serve the Lord will be your love for God because sheep can be messy. These are not my words. Sheep can be dumb and sheep can be problems sometimes. Hey, listen, serving people is hard. And if you serve because of what you're getting from other people or because how easy it is, listen, you're not gonna do it very long. But we serve because we love God. We, we, don't, we don't go to church and serve and, and, and try to get favoritism from God. We, we serve him be out of a heart of gratitude and love because of who he is and what he's done for us in our life. We serve him because we love him. That's why we do the things that we do in the good times and the difficult times. And if our focus is solely on the, the obligation and the circumstances, we're gonna burn out and we're gonna quit very quickly as believers. And that's why many do. But it's about adoration. And so he says to, to, to Peter, before he tells him, feed my lambs, he asks him, do you love me? Because if you don't love me, you're not going to accomplish the things that I'm going to ask you to do. And so we see in this important question, he says, do you love me more than these? And then he goes on, after he says, feed my lambs, 
He says again, do you love me? Look at verse 17. He says unto them, or verse 16. He saith unto him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him then, feed my sheep. In verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Now there's all kinds of sermons that we can preach out. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard pastors preach on the difference between lambs and sheep. And we're not going to get into all of that and the different words for love. And we're not going to get into that. But we see that Jesus asked Peter two more times, do you love me? I don't want you to miss the imagery, all right? Peter was by a charcoal fire, the Bible is clear to tell us, when he denied the Lord. And now again, he's by a charcoal fire when he professes his love and, and is, is restored. Peter's already been restored in fellowship, obviously, with the Lord. He met with Jesus, came before him in his resurrected state. He tells him to go to Galilee where I'll come and meet with you. And Peter goes fishing with the guys and, and he's out fishing, catches nothing. And Jesus says, hey, cast your net on the other side. And, and they catch fish. And, and the other disciple says, hey, don't you know that's the Lord? And what does Peter do? He jumps in the water and goes and he swims back because he wants to see, see Jesus. He's already been restored to fellowship but now he's being restored to, to ministry. Leon Morris said, there can be little doubt, but that the whole scene is meant to show us Peter as completely restored to his position of leadership. It is further worth noting that one thing about which Jesus questioned Peter prior to commissioning him to tend the flock was love. You see, this is the basic qualification for Christian service. Other qualities may be desirable, but love is completely indispensable. Hey, listen, you might be able to, to sing and you might be able to preach and you might be able to play an instrument and you might be a, uh, smart in a, uh, academics and you might be a, sm a great athlete and you might have a great personality. And, and listen, none of that matters because you can speak with tongues of angels and have not love and it means absolutely nothing. You see, you can go through all the Christian service that you want and all the religious activity and all the rituals that you want to place in your life. And if you do not have love for God and love for Jesus, first and foremost, your Christian service means nothing. Jesus knows your heart. Think about it for just a moment. Peter says to him, you know that I love you. And then he says it again, you know that I love you. And the third time he's heartbroken because he says, you know what? You know all things. Hey, listen, if a few weeks ago you knew that I was gonna deny you three times, guess what? You know where my heart is right now. Lord, you truly know that I love you. People oftentimes judge us based on our last bad action. That's just the reality of life. We don't like it because they forget all the good things we do. And the reality is there's consequences for our actions. We don't like that in the society in which we live in today, but that's true. There's consequences for our actions. We can be forgiven, but there's still going to be consequences. And Jesus, he knows you and he knows your heart. And people often look at the fruit of your life. 
but God is concerned with your heart. And so he asked Peter, do you love me? In the book of Acts, we're gonna see Peter preach a, a great sermon and 3,000 souls are added to the church and we're gonna go on to see him do great things and through the New Testament and write books and, and do great things. And you know, before all of that, he had to come to realize, I love the Lord. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I, I love the Lord. And so we see this question that he asked him, do you love me? And that's a good question for us to ask ourselves. If we can truly be honest. Hey, listen, do I love Jesus more than my spouse? Do I love Jesus more than things? Do I, for those of you that are, that are in high school, do I love Jesus more than my entertainment system or my video games or my sports or, or my music or whatever it is that you have in your life that you love so much? Do I love G Jesus? Do I love the Lord more than all of these things? And that's a good question for us to ask. How much do we love the Lord? And so that's the question he asks. And then we go to the command to faithfulness. Look at verse number 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying of what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. So Jesus asked Peter, and they get this thing of his love settled. Lord, you know that I love you. Okay, if you truly love me, if you truly care about me like the way that you say, then follow me. Without exception, without turning back. And so he tells Peter here in verse number 18, hey, by the way, if you follow me, you're going to be crucified. He says there, your arms are going to be stretched and you're going to be carried away in a place that you would, in a way that you would not be carried away. And tradition tells us, we don't know if it's true, that Peter didn't want to be crucified like the Lord, so he asked to be turned upside down. And, and, I, and I don't know if that's true or not, but we do know that Peter was crucified himself. And Jesus had told him, hey, hey, listen, I want you to, to follow me, but it's not going to, to be easy. But notice what he says to Peter. Here in verse, number, or in verse number 19, what he tells us, this spake he, signifying of what death he should glorify God. Jesus says, Peter, you love me? Then follow me. And even in your death, the way that you will die will bring glory to God. Despite the consequences, Peter is to follow God. Jesus. And the idea here is keep on following me. Hey, listen, when you're persecuted, keep following me. When it comes time to die and give your life as a martyr for the faith, for the gospel, listen, it's going to be a difficult time in your life. Keep following me. I know a lot of times it's easy to say, you know, I would die for my faith. I, I would die for the gospel. I would die for the Lord. And for many people, it's easy to look at their life and say, that's not true. And you say, well, who are you to judge? Well, their life, they don't live for them. 
And, and here's the key for Peter's life. Jesus says, follow me. If you're going to ultimately die in a way that brings glory to God, you must now decide that you're going to live for me. Because if you won't live for me, don't think you're going to die for me. It's easy to say it. And listen, it's going to happen. And so Jesus is commanding Peter to live a life of faithfulness, even under the circumstance of knowing that you're going to die for your faith. Follow me. And then in this command of faithfulness, it's interesting. I think this is a very good point for us in our modern day Christianity. He says, don't be concerned about others. Don't, don't be concerned about others. Notice back with me, verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? So basically, Jesus says, you're going to die. You're going to be crucified for your faith if you follow me. And Peter turns around and says, well, what about, what about him? What, what's going to happen to to him, is this only going to happen to me? And Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is it to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die. But if I will tarry, that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So Peter asked Jesus, listen, what's going to happen to him? And said, Peter, it doesn't matter. Hey, hey listen, I, I learned a long time ago. It doesn't matter what the church down the street is doing. It, it doesn't matter what the church across the country is doing. It doesn't matter what the church across the world is doing. It doesn't matter what you're doing. What matters is what I'm doing for God. Am I following him? But we're so wrapped up. Well, well I'm serving the Lord and listen, they live like idiots and they're being blessed and I'm being persecuted. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter what they're doing. What I called you to do is follow me. Hey, Peter, it doesn't matter if John or Andrew or anybody else is crucified or martyred for the faith. I've called you to serve me. We, we've all done it and we've all seen it in our homes. Like you tell your kid to do something and you're like, but I didn't do that. But I didn't make that mess. But I didn't put those shoes there. But I, and, and we have excuses why we don't have to do it. I, I didn't ask you who made the mess. I told you to clean it up. And that's literally how we approach God. But, but, but I didn't do this, but, but they're not doing this. But, but what about them? And, and Jesus is telling him, listen, don't worry about John. Listen, do you love me? Okay, you love me? then follow me. Don't, don't worry about society. Don't worry about the other Christians down the, chair, down the road from you. Simply follow me. The command is faithfulness. Faithfulness. And I believe Peter got it. And I believe so many Christians today, we don't get it. Peter got it. And so he went on and preached the sermon there on Pentecost. And he went on and, and, and reached people with the gospel. And he went on and wrote uh, the books of first, you know, the books of Peter and, and we preach and study today. And, and he has a great name in, in history and because, because he simply got it. Well, you know, pastor, if I follow the Lord, I might offend my neighbor. If I follow the Lord, I, I might not have as many likes and I, I might not have as comfortable life as I would, as I would like. Hey, if, if I follow the Lord, I might not be able to keep up with the, with the Joneses or the Smiths 
I, I might, listen, there's no justification to not follow him. The question is, do you love me? Yes. Then follow him. Live your life for him. Don't let the mess of this world deter you from being who you are in Christ and living the life he's called you to live. Just follow him and quit making the excuses as why we don't follow him. It doesn't matter how hard life is or how easy life is. Just simply follow him. But here's the struggle. We lie to ourselves. Well, what do you mean? We believe we deserve more than we have. I deserve to be treated better than that person. I deserve to have that job. I deserve to make more money. I deserve to have a, a better life. We lie to ourselves. Listen, we deserve to spend eternity in hell, but God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins. And when we accepted him, we received everything. From eternal life to being part of God's family. Not because of anything we've done, but because who we are in Christ. We don't deserve anything. We should be grateful that God has called us to serve him and gives us the wonderful privilege to be a part of his family and to serve him all the days of our life. But we have to get over ourselves and quit lying and quit justifying why we don't serve him and why we're not faithful to him. Do you love him? If you honestly can say yes, then follow him with your life. And I believe you'll be amazed at what God can do in your life and through your life. If you'll simply follow him. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter what God does in my life. Just follow him. It doesn't matter what he does in your neighbor's life. It doesn't matter what he does in your enemy's life. Just follow him. That's what we're called to do. Simply follow him. Peter was restored and had great opportunity And he, and he said, Lord, you know I love you. And I believe, because we get to read the rest of the story, Peter went on to follow the Lord, and even gave his life as a martyr. But man, he did great things for God because he just simply said, I'm gonna follow you.